Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, we are in week four of our Gate Smasher series. If you haven't been able to be here for the other weeks, uh, it's okay. You can jump right in. It's that kind of series, but I'll encourage you to go and check out the other ones on our website, lifechurchroa.org, or check them out on YouTube and get caught up if you can. Uh, it'll, it'll help, but you can still jump in right here. Uh, today, we're going to get a little more practical. I like, uh, I love the learning and the, the spiritual and all that stuff that we've been doing, but also there's a practical side to spiritual warfare. And sometimes you got to fight, right? Sometimes you're going to need to be out there fighting the fight. Sometimes you're going to need to be on the front lines. And so when we talk about spiritual warfare and smashing gates, we're talking about understanding that the enemy has set up strongholds in each one of our lives, that we're going to encounter at different times in different places. He doesn't want you to be what you've called, what, what God has called you to be. Okay? He doesn't want you to smash gates. He doesn't want you to fight for people's freedom. He doesn't want you to fight for your freedom. He wants you to stay back behind things. But God has a different plan for us. He's given us gifts that we can utilize, that can change the trajectory of spiritual battles. So uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of those gifts today. Over the next two weeks, we're actually going to be talking about some gifts that God has given us as individuals and us as a church that help us when we are fighting spiritual battles, when we're in the midst of spiritual warfare. Uh, But first, before I do, I want to talk about gifts. Have you ever gotten a gift that you don't know what to do with? Right? You know what it is, but you're not sure exactly what to do with it. Somebody was like, man, this is an amazing gift. They're going to love it. And you're like, well, how am I going to use this? Anybody ever been there? Okay, I'm just making sure I'm not the only one. Now, now so when I was a kid, uh, I got a basketball. Don't show the picture yet. Don't show the picture yet. I'll tell you when. And I knew it was a basketball. I knew it. Because you, you can't wrap a basketball without telling it's a basketball, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like if I were to show you a basketball today wrapped up and I was like, what is this? And at very least you're gonna know it's a sports ball, right? Because they got that weird box around the round ball, right? You can't do anything with it. Anybody ever tried to wrap a basketball or, or a soccer ball or something? You just can't really do it, right? If you don't believe me, go to Walmart today and buy one, okay? Try to wrap it. And then you can bring it here and leave it here because for our Christmas fest this year, that's one of the gifts that we're going to be giving out to people who need, who, who need help with Christmas presents, okay, is basketballs and soccer balls. So if you're, you're, like, you're like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I can wrap anything. I want you to go to Walmart today after service. Don't go right now. Just wait a second, okay? Buy a basketball, try to wrap it, and then tell me if I'm not right, okay? I know some of you are amazing and you can wrap anything, but I can't do it because you always know what it is. Okay, you're like, Pastor, why don't you just put it in a box? <laughs> I know, but that's not my illustration. So I knew it was a basketball, okay? And I was super excited because, right, I was, I'm, I'm a boy. I love to play sports. I love to do things. Even though I'm not good at it, I do enjoy it, okay? And I was super excited that I was getting this basketball. 
or soccer bar or whatever it was. And I opened it up and I saw the orange, right? And if, you, if you've ever gotten a basketball, you know what I'm talking about. It's that, it's that joy, right? Except as I was ripping it open, I didn't just see orange. I began to see green. Weird stitches in the ball. Weird things that, that, that weren't supposed to be there. And when I got it fully opened, I want you to see what I saw at Christmas that year. Go ahead and show the picture. Now, this is a line of toys called Mad Balls, okay? And this particular one is named Foul Shot, okay? Now, I didn't know that until I was prepping for this message, right? As a kid, I had no idea that that's what it was. I don't like gross things. Like, I get queasy, right? Especially, like, the moment I had kids, everything just makes me sick to my stomach. Like, the thought of, like, even, like, Casey watches the medical shows and stuff. I got to leave the room, okay? Somebody's bleeding, I'm done, okay? Don't call me if you're bleeding. Call somebody else, all right. I don't listen. I don't want you to. I, I'm going to make a public service announcement here. If you send me pictures of, you, of of something that's happened to you, I don't want them. Okay. You can call me. I'll pray for you. But I do not want to open up a text message and see a cut in your arm. All right. I had a friend who cut his thumb, and he was like, "Dude, check this out on a Sunday morning right before I'm about to preach." No, I don't want to check it out. I'll pray for you. You tell me something happened, but I don't want anything to do with it. And this is what I opened. Now, let me tell you a secret about this ball. You can't play basketball with this thing. I tried. I was super excited because I was getting a basketball. This thing don't bounce. And when it does, it bounces like a football. You ever tried to dribble a football? The reason you don't dribble a football is because it's not the right shape. I got a basketball that I can't play basketball with. But I was a little boy and the people who bought it for me loved me enough to buy it. I was very appreciative. I, I kept it for many, many years in a toy box, but I never did anything with it. I didn't know what to do with it. What do you do with a basketball you can't play basketball with? Right? What do you do with something like this? Well, let me tell you what you do with it. I'm going to tell you all a secret. You put it in your toy box and you hang on to it until you're 38. Okay? Now, I didn't do this. I wished I would have. This basketball that probably cost my grandparents five, ten bucks at the time sells for almost $250 right now on eBay. You can't play basketball with it. But it sells for like 250 bucks on eBay, right? Somewhere between 150 and 250 depending on who's selling it. And they have sold a couple. So that's what you do with it, right? Sometimes you just got to wait it out. Sometimes you just got to wait until, until an opportunity reveals itself for you to use the gift. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. All right, now we're making sense, aren't we? Now we're following along a little bit with a sermon. Sometimes you got to wait until the opportunity presents itself. You got to wait long enough. Let that thing grow in you long enough. Let it get some value so that it can be used. Come on, y'all missed an we had, I had one that's good. Y'all missed a great opportunity there. I need y'all preaching with me today, okay? It's been a long weekend, so I need, some, I need something, some amen, some mm, pastor, you know, something, I don't know, whatever, whatever you got inside of you, I need something. Okay, there we go, come on. Sometimes those things have to mature inside of us. 
before we can go out and use them. You see, we talk about love all the time and sometimes we don't know how to love people. We understand love the way that we understand love. We, we give love the way that we receive love and people, people don't all receive love the same way. Kindness, mercy. Can I tell you a secret about mercy? Mercy's gotta grow within you or you're never gonna be able to give it. It's hard. It's hard. Those, there are some giftings that, that the Holy Spirit has placed within us that are meant to be used, that need time to grow, need space and margin to grow in our lives, right? You, you, you learn how to show mercy by showing little increments of mercy. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you can, you can give mercy in things that you never thought you'd be able to. Forgiveness is the same way, right? It grows within us. We, we, we start, we learn how to forgive the small things quickly and quicker and quicker and quicker and they grow and they grow and they grow. And when we begin to truly understand forgiveness, it begins to grow in us. That gift of forgiveness that Jesus has given us grows to the point where we can forgive things we never thought we'd be able to forgive. Right? And so sometimes we have these gifts that we don't know how to use because the opportunity hasn't presented itself because growth hasn't happened in it yet. As gate smashers, this is what Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Come on. That's the words of Jesus. That ought to get somebody excited this morning. That means that no matter what you're facing, no matter what comes at you, you've been given the victory already. You got the victory in everything that you do. You can dance at the gates of the enemy's stronghold in the victory and joy of the Lord. And you might not even know why you can do it, but you can do it, right? We used to sing a song, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. He's under my feet, yes, he's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Come on. We might not sing the song, but we can still live it out. Right? And so we got to take, sometimes we got to get some sledgehammers out and bust down some gates. Those sledgehammers that are placed in your life are these giftings, these things that God has given you to be able to love the world the right way. You want to talk about knocking down some gates? Start loving some unlovable people right? Start serving some people that you've never served before. Start sacrificing some things you've never sacrificed or you thought you would never sacrifice. Start looking for peace. Start looking for the shalom that Jesus brings to the world and that he's trying to bring to the world. You want, you really want to be a gate smasher. You got some giftings inside of you that, no, that listen, nobody else can smash the gates that you can smash. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can face the enemy the way you can face the enemy. And listen, when we do it together, strongholds don't just fall. They begin to tumble like dominoes, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, until finally you look around and it's the kingdom of God that's standing in front of you, right? Here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer Jesus said to pray. Can I tell you a secret? You need to quit living like we're on earth and start living like we're in heaven sacrifice, service. Okay, we're gonna talk about these things today. 
these gifts that we don't always know what to do with. This basketball, (laughs) my grandparents didn't know it at the time, but that was an investment. (sighs) I didn't know it, and I think I gave it away. It may may even made it in the garbage. I don't know. But somebody found it, pumped it up, and put it on eBay. (laughs) Okay? I didn't understand what I had. I couldn't play basketball with it. But one day it was going to be worth something. One day it was going to do something. And I realized that's maybe a a silly illustration of what we're talking about. But I wanted there to be a connector point here for us. Because sometimes we throw away those gifts that God has given us. And we we begin to act like the world. We begin to act like the world and we forget that we're living in, we are living in a time where we are supposed to be what brings heaven here. Come on, there you go. I love it, man. Y'all, I love it. This, when y'all, y'all got to get in, I love it. Because this is, this is not something that we should be pouty about. This is something we can celebrate. Okay, all right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start reading Romans chapter 12. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. When you get there, say, I'm there and uh, I'm ready to go. All right, one of you's there. Romans chapter 12. We're gonna get there. I know I didn't give you much time. It's gonna be up on the screen and we're gonna read it. I'm reading from the NIV today. Uh, if, you've been here, if you've been here any length of time, usually I read from a different version, but today I'm gonna read from the NIV. Romans 12. We're going to start in verse one. It says this, therefore. Now, when anytime you see therefore, you need to pay attention to what happens before this, okay? So I'm going to encourage you to go read Romans chapters one through 11 because Paul says, therefore, based on everything I just said, based on everything you've just been told, based on everything I just preached and taught to you and wrote in this letter and has been read into your ears, I urge you, some, some versions say, I beg you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. And I love this, the second verse, man, this ought to be one you memorize because you're going to have to say this to yourself every once in a while, especially when you find yourself in the, wor- in the world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Another, another word here that can be used is transfigured. Anybody here last week? What we talk about? We talked about being transfigured, what that means, what that looks like. It's the same word in Greek. We just translate it a little differently, okay? So, but be transformed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now let's stop right there. Keep your finger there because we're gonna keep reading here in just a few minutes. J.P. Phillips has an outstanding and memorable translation of this, right? It's his paraphrase of of these two verses. He says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, as an act of just something simply that everyone should know and do simply because it's the smart thing to do. To give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within. This is transfiguration. There's a change on the inside that's showing on the outside. Right? I told you last week, the miracle of Jesus' transfiguration wasn't that, they, wasn't that he shined and that they, they saw 
his true nature. The miracle was that they had never seen it before and he was repressing it. He was holding it back. He was holding back what was inside because if he walked around shining all the time, his message wouldn't have been received the same way. Right, if he walked around like, like the sun, so bright people couldn't look at him, his message wouldn't have been received the same way. But on the mountaintop, up high with three disciples, boom, they begin to see what's inside and he's transfigured. The, the inside of Jesus began to shine on the outside. And that is the goal here, that we don't become ourselves, but that we become Christ and people begin to see it on the outside. We become Christ on the inside and the world sees him on the outside. Okay, so when we talk about this, this, this transformation, this consecrating of our life, this changing and remolding of who we are, we're talking about an inside thing that has to show on the outside. He goes on and says, that so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Now I wanna break this down, okay? Last week, we got a front row seat of what we call the transfiguration, the mountaintop experience with Jesus and his true nature. And for a brief time, the glory of Jesus, the Messiah, was not contained but shown for these disciples to see. That internal righteousness and glory that Jesus usually contained was poured out. It was an incredible sight. All three disciples that were there talk about it and they were in awe of it. Now, we didn't really get to this last week, but this is what's supposed to happen in our lives. The glory of God changes us on the inside. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we feel. It changes the way we interact with the world. And then it comes out and we change the world. We don't respond to the person who cut us off in traffic the same way as everyone else does. Okay, we don't beat each other up because we, some, somebody says something wrong, right? We forgive each other. That's the difference. That stuff has to be internalized. It has to be second nature. It has to be something we just do, but it's hard. Just like anything, any change in our lives. It's not simple just to be, it's easy to read the scripture and say, be transformed, be transfigured. But it's a, it's a path and it's a journey that we walk down. All of us. That Greek word that I told you about, metamorpho, it's the same word that's used in our text today. It's the same word, but it's translated slightly different. It doesn't really matter. It do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind. That inward peace that we have with Jesus, that sincere service that he brings about in our lives, his sacrifice for us must break through if we're gonna smash the gates of hell and free those bound by the enemy. Paul is urging his readers and us to make a choice about the way we live for him. Make the choice now not to sin, to keep you from taking down the enemy, right? Don't, don't let something get in the way. There's no room for his stronghold in your life. There's no room for envy or strife. Deceit, malice, gossip, slander, arrogance, boastfulness, lust, hatred, addiction, all need sacrificed at the altar of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. He says it's our true and proper worship. 
Lay these things out. Leave them at the, leave them at the altar. Nail them to the cross. Whatever you got to do. Because he's sending us to be the light. Of, he's sending us out to be the light in the world. These things are the pattern of the world, the malice, the gossip, the slander, the arrogance. And the pattern of the world is not to resolve them, but to resound them. How many times have you been on Facebook and you, you heard about somebody's problems and how they're mad at somebody? We're not looking to resolve anything by getting on Facebook and putting somebody on blast. We're looking to resound it. We want everyone to know we're mad and here's why we're mad and here's why they're wrong and we're right. Got quiet. I'm meddling now, ain't I? Like Scooby-Doo. Those meddling kids. The pattern of the world is not to resolve things like envy, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, arrogance, boastfulness. The pattern of the world is to resound them. Right? Face to, on Facebook, sometimes we go face to face and instead of talking to the person we need to talk to, we go to somebody else. I got a problem with you, so I'm gonna find somebody over here to tell about it. If I can get them on my side, now we got an army that can fight you. See, this isn't sacrificing ourselves to Jesus. It's just using our gifts in the wrong way when we find ourselves here. Paul tells us that we must present ourselves a living sacrifice. Now, this is a striking image for them because they were aware what a sacrifice was all about. But a living sacrifice? They understood and they, they'd seen the blood from sacrifices. Now Paul's saying, I want you to continually sacrifice yourself every day as if you're on that altar, but you're going to keep doing it. It's got to be a part of your day-to-day, your life. A living sacrifice is brought to the altar alive and stays alive at the altar. It is, it's an ongoing sacrifice, not one time, not two times, not just part of us, all of me given to all of him all the time. I'm talking about something very hard. It's a very heavy thing to think about that. Because because the world says we deserve to feel how we want to feel and do what we want to do. And we've grown up in that world. We've grown up in a world that says, hey, if, if you're feeling it, you may as well do it. If you're thinking it, you may as well say it. That's not what I see Jesus doing. Paul says, I, I want you to sacrifice yourself. I want you to live as a sacrifice. Right? He warns us that the world, the popular culture, and the manner of thinking that is in the world is rebellion against God. We try, it, it, it'll try to conform us to an ungodly pattern, and that process has to be resisted no matter what. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind is the opposite of being conformed to the world. The battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed is in the mind of the believer. There's a battle going on here. Paul wants us to understand that it isn't just about what we're doing physically, it's about what's happening up here. He wants us to get that there is a change that has to happen in us and the only way that change happens is by sacrificing those things that are getting in the way. I'm not the only one who grew up with bad thought patterns. 
I'm not the only one who, who grew up with some bad theology even taught by the church. And I've got to allow the Holy Spirit, the room and the margin to change those things within me. Family of origin things. I grew up in, a, in an area that was about as racist as you can get. And that had to be broken in me. Not because I wanted to be racist, but because it's all I ever knew. Right? I grew up in an area that's, that is now currently riddled with drug use and alcohol abuse. Those things got to be broken. But I'm going to have to sacrifice some things for them to be broken. That's what Paul's telling us. Present yourselves, church, a living sacrifice daily in every moment. Gate smashers must give themselves in sacrifice to God. As we're transformed on the inside, the proof is evident on the outside. And as a result of his peace, of his shalom, we have to live out his will. So how do we become gate smashers and freedom fighters? Well, the first thing Paul tells us today, if you're taking notes, is exactly what you just saw up on the screen. If we can put it back up, gate smashers must give themselves in sacrifice to God. Let's keep reading because Paul's not done. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He, he, he tells us the first thing you got to do as a gate smasher, the first thing you got to do is sacrifice yourself to God. Give yourself fully to him and watch what happens. There's these things that are going to be planted inside of you, these gifts that are going to be put inside of you that are going to grow and mature. And you're going to use them and then that's what's going to take down the gates of the enemy. That's what's going to change the world around you. When you begin to show the kindness that God has placed inside of you, the peace that he's given you, the generosity that he's given you, and you begin to see that and the world begins to see that, things begin to change. He's warning us here to, be, to begin with to be humble. He's about to speak about how we should exercise spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. But there's a, a warning first. Why the warning? Well, pride usually arises for those who regard themselves as spiritually gifted. You ever met somebody and the first thing they tell you about, about themselves is the, what their spiritual gift is? That is a wall that immediately goes up and I'm scared. When somebody walks up to me and says, I have the gift of prophecy and God told me to tell you. What's your name? <laughs> okay. If we have relationship, that's different. Right? If we have relationship, that's totally different. 
But I, I've been places where somebody has walked up to me, did not introduce themselves to me. We were put in a group or something and, and, and they, we were asked to tell something about ourselves. And instead of saying where we're from or what we do or how many kids we have, the first thing they say is that. And I'm like, woo, okay, I want you to use your gifts, but I want, I want, I want to know that you're using them in the right way. I want to know that, that you've allowed that thing to mature inside of you, that God has used you with it, Okay. Those gifts are important. God gives them to us and they grow inside of us. We don't always know what to do with them at first, including those people. Sometimes I get so excited that God's placed something inside of me that I just want to share it with people without letting it mature. Right? Any, uh, any gardeners in here? Right? And you take a little kid out to your garden, the first thing they want to do is start picking stuff. Right? You got a cucumber that big and they're like, let's go. And you're like, no, 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 that thing's going to be this big when we pick it. <laughs> Sometimes those things got to mature in us. And Paul gives us a warning here and says, listen, when God gives you a gift, make sure you're exercising it with humility. All right, you want to be a gate smasher? Sacrifice yourself. Be humble. If you're taking notes, here's your second point. Gate smashers must give themselves in service to others. It's important for us to remember that spiritual giftedness does not equal spiritual maturity. Just because a person has substantial spiritual gifts doesn't mean that they're necessarily mature enough to use them yet. So he tells us to see ourselves the way it really is. If it, we, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we are. Jesus needs to remain our focus is what Paul says. Service the objective. We, we can't save ourselves. Only Jesus could do that and that should humble us as we deal with others. He then turns his attention to the church, and I love this because Paul, a lot of times we, we get into Scripture and we begin thinking about all the sinners, and Paul's not going to let us do that today. He said, I want to talk to y'all who are saved. If you're not saved today and you're here, you're off the hook for just a second. Okay? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you haven't professed him as your Savior, you're off the hook for just a minute in here today. But if you've professed Jesus as your Savior, ah, oh, this one's for you. You ready? You cannot cannot not serve people. It's part of the purpose of why he gives you the gifts. You have to serve. He turns his attention to the church and how it's unified, yet we are, <laughs> he says, we're distinct within that one body. In the body of Christ, there's unity, but not uniformity. We look different. We've been given different gifts. Some of you are very outspoken and, and are easy to get up in front of crowds. Some of you can't. Some of you, if I asked you to get up and talk in front of the church, you'd be like, mm-mm. But if I ask you to, to pray over somebody, man, you can pray a prayer. She's not here today, but Julene, I'm gonna tell y'all what. For those of you who know Julene Holdren, one day I was at her house visiting and she decided she wanted to pray for me. Woo, man couple times in my life I've been prayed for like that and she's one of them, right? A couple times in my life that's, that that's happened. She prayed a prayer over me that I'll never forget what that felt like, right? Had, a, had an evangelist that used to say sometimes Jesus just comes on you and you walk around like a 500 pound canary singing here, kitty, kitty, okay? I walked out of her house feeling way up here like I could do anything, okay? That's a gift, and she utilized it and used it. It's matured inside of her. 
right? It has matured inside of her, and we've seen that. We, we can see that. We see the fruit of it. She, she's humble with it, and a great example of what it looks like, right? For, to, for the church to be unified, we're not all in uniformity. Forgetting either of these is a problem. Unity should never be promoted at the expense of individuality. And individuality should never diminish the church's essential unity in Christ. It's our common ground. And then he goes into the gifts that have been given to us. Gifts that were given with purpose and meant to be used to serve. The difference in distribution of gifts is all due to the grace that is given to us. The Holy Spirit does all that. Spiritual gifts are not given based on merit, but because God chooses to give them. This should keep our pride in check. Right? I don't have the gift because I deserve the gift or because even because I've used it right. I have it because he's given it to me. To serve. He lists out these, just a handful. This isn't an exhaustive list. He just lists out a few. He says these gifts are used to serve, to smash the gates of the enemy and fight for freedom for those who need freedom. He lays them out. He says prophecy, ministry, teaching, giving, leadership, being merciful. These are all gifts that should be used to smash gates. Gate smashers must give themselves in sacrifice to God and in service to others through their gifting. I love that he tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail and then allows us to be a part of his victory by serving, by sacrificing. You understand he doesn't need us for the victory, but he allows us to be a part of it. And that to me is a huge part of what it means to serve God. He allows me to be a part of that victory and enjoy the victory. Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 says, love must be sincere. Somebody say sincere. Sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's saying be excited about it. Get excited about serving the Lord. You have a gift of giving when you give, man, get excited about giving. You got the gift of prophecy and you're going to speak into somebody's life? Come on, speak life. You got the gift of mercy? Show mercy because a lot of people don't have the gift. And they don't know how to show it. You get to be the example of what that means. You get to be maybe even a forerunner of the mercy of God for someone. That ought to excite you. If you're a leader and you're not leading, you're missing it. You got to lead. Well, pastor, where do I lead? There's all kinds of places. You got to seek them out. Diligently lead, it says. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality, he says. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Sincere means to be honest and pure and true. We must love with sincerity, he says. Not one, we can't love with selfish ambition or want. Insincere love isn't even love at all. If I don't love with truth and honesty and with sincerity, I'm not really loving anyways. If, I'm just, if it's just mechanical, if it's just something that I say that I'm doing but not something that I'm truly practicing or if I'm doing it for me instead of for someone else, those gates are never going to fall. We're talking about smashing gates. We're talking about being a sledgehammer against a gate that the enemy is placed in our lives or in someone else's. Love can't masquerade. It's got to be real. If it's not sincere, it's not real. Paul tells us to be devoted to one another in love, in sincere love. This is a command that Christians should not have a cold, standoffish attitude, but only warm relations and good manners. Paul says, but also in addition to that, work hard. Never be lacking in zeal. You want to take down gates? You want to take down the strongholds of the enemy? You want to take back your family? You want to take back your friends, your community? You want to take back your home? You want to take back your life? You want to knock down some gates? Love with sincerity. Do all you do with sincerity. Use your gifts with sincerity. Smash the gates of the enemy and keep people coming to Christ. Gate smashers must give themselves in sincerity to their calling. We've got to sacrifice ourselves to God. Give up our whole lives to Him. Give up our stuff to Him. Give up the things that we thought we could never lay down. Give it to Him and watch what He does with it. We have to sacrifice. Gay smashers give themselves in service to others. Gay smashers give themselves in sincerity to their calling what God has placed inside of them. And finally, Paul's going to say that gay smashers must give themselves in shalom to everyone. Shalom means peace. Romans 12 verse 17 says this. We'll start there. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You and I will never smash gates and free people without living in peace with them. It's not possible. We won't do it. We don't have to live in peace with the one who put up the gates. We're in a war against him. That's the enemy. We don't have to live in peace with the one who trapped the, 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 the other people. 
That's our enemy. We can be at war with him. But with the individuals, we want to be at peace. That's hard to do. You ever tried to be at peace with somebody who didn't want to be at peace? Somebody that just kept going, wouldn't stop. You're trying, to, you're trying to give the olive branch and they just don't want to do it. The example is Jesus. He was the original gate smasher. Right? He hung on the cross, arms stretched out, bleeding out, said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't think I could do it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I got to grow. I got to mature a little bit in that. physically nail me to a cross and you want me to die so bad and I can look up and say forgive them for they know not what they do I'm going to tell you that's tough but it's the example that we have Paul says live in peace as far as it's up to you live in peace many times we act like it's not up to us to live in peace you might say to me well well, pastor I tried (laughs) did you? Ask him, ask him if you really tried. Make sure you did. I'm not questioning whether you did, but make sure you did. Make sure you really humbled yourself and that you're working to live in that peace. You and I will never smash gates until we do. When we don't live in peace with people who we are called to be gate smashers and freedom fighters for, begins to put up fences around those people and we help the enemy build new strongholds. We help the enemy. I want you to think about that. When we choose not to live in peace with someone, when we choose to keep up unforgiveness and those kind of things, we're choosing to help the enemy fortify his defenses. God called me to partner with him. He called you to partner with him to reach those people, to smash the gates, to take the sledgehammers of sacrifice, of service, take the sledgehammers of sincerity and shalom to knock down some gates to bust up the gates that would that the enemy believes he has a stronghold but we've been told that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ I'm talking about a radical way of living and thinking not conformed to the way of the world but transformed by what Jesus has done for us Jesus is bringing a kingdom of peace and shalom the enemy is building a kingdom of chaos brokenness and hatred gay smashers must give themselves in peace to those who are trapped last week we talked about the word and how it has to have an impact on us how it has to be the thing that transforms us and then it becomes a tool for us to go out into the world and understand that his word rules this week we're talking about taking those giftings that he's given us and using them to knock down some gates 
want to know what it means to be a gate smasher. It means to understand what gifts God has given you and use them in his way. That's what knocks down gates that the enemies put up. That's, you want some practical ways to do this? If you have a gifting for giving, then give and do it in sincerity. Serve people. Do it with sincerity. Love people with sincerity. Sacrifice the things in your life that you never thought you could give to Him. Choose to live in peace with somebody that you haven't been living in peace with. Watch some gates come down. Watch the strongholds of the enemy begin to tumble. It's it's like a domino effect. It's like a domino effect. You start to live in peace with somebody that you haven't been living in peace with. It's going to challenge them to live in peace with somebody. And and pray that, man. Pray that that would be a domino effect. You start serving, and I'm going to tell you a secret. People will start serving behind you. You start sacrificing things and giving things to God that you've never given to Him before, and people will will follow you. They'll do the same thing. We'll see We'll see what Jesus meant when he said, your will on earth as it is in heaven. In the church, in the world. We'll see the enemy who thinks that he's got us right where he wants us, who thinks that he's got our students tricked into believing things about themselves that they shouldn't believe, who, who, who believe, who had an enemy who has taken marriage and made it something that is disposable, an enemy who has taken life and said that it doesn't begin until he says it begins. Watch strongholds tumble. Watch things fall. And if that's not enough, how about your your friends and family that don't know Jesus? Those ones you've been praying for. Those ones you've been thinking about. Those ones you lift up every night. How about that, that family member that you haven't seen in 20 years? Watch how things change when you begin to live this out. When you begin to sacrifice your life to God, serve others. Live in peace with others. do it all with sincerity these are sledgehammers that Paul gives us to take down gates Jeremiah 23 29 the prophet speaking for God says does not my word burn like fire says the Lord is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces God has spoken some things into your life, some giftings into your life that are sledgehammers meant to bust down gates. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all across the room. Here's what I know. I know that Jesus said... I will build my church, not the building, not, not, the, not the brick and mortar building, but the people. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail. I got to believe when he says he's going to build his church that we can connect that with the giftings that he's given each one of us and how we use them. I got to believe that he's, he's connecting that with the stuff that we have and how it can be used for the kingdom of God. I got to believe that the attitudes that we live by and the things that we do and how we serve others and how we live at peace with others is connected to what he's saying about building up his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And these are just a handful of the gifts that are, that are talked about in scripture. I have to believe today that we must give ourselves in sacrifice to God, give ourselves in service to others, give ourselves in sincerity to our call and give ourselves in shalom, in peace to everyone. I have to believe that's what we're called to. But I know, but I know there's always room for growth in these areas. I know that we struggle with some of this and I think God knows too and his mercy and his grace is sufficient today for you and I and maybe you've got some things you need to sacrifice to Jesus today. Maybe there's some things in your life that are getting in the way of you being everything that he's called you to be. Maybe there's some things getting in the way of you being shalom to everyone, you bringing peace and being in peace with everyone. Maybe there's some things that get in the way of you serving with sincerity. Maybe it's hard to love people because people haven't loved you so well. Today, if you're here, I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe Romans 12 was put into your ears by happenstance in this moment, in this time. I believe it was meant to do two things, challenge you and encourage you. was meant to challenge you to do these things, to sacrifice, give yourself in sacrifice to God in service to others, sincerity to what God has called you and gifted you with and in peace and shalom with everyone. But between you and God right now, you know there's some issues. You know there's some things that keep you from being able to do this and you need to sacrifice them today. You need to leave them at the foot of his throne let him deal with them so that you can go out and be what he's called you to be you can go out and be a gate smasher and a freedom fighter taking the sledgehammers that he's given you and busting down gates practically using your gifts maybe you've never known what to do with what God has given you but today you would say I'm going to lay it at his feet and let him use me. If any of this, if any of this has challenged you today and you would say, I need to bring something to Jesus. I've got some people I need to seek peace with. I've got 
some sincerity issues. I got some things that I, I do, but I'm not really sincere and I, I want to be. I, there's some things I need to sacrifice to Jesus. And there's some people I need to serve, but it's hard. And today I just want to say, I'm going to step forward and allow God to work in me. And pastor, I want you to agree with me. Pastor, I want prayer for this. If that's you this morning, as the team begins to sing here in just a few minutes, I want to challenge you to step out of your seats and come up to the altar. You can kneel at the altar. You can stand at the altar. But I want to pray with you today. So if that's you, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to go and begin to move now. I've got some things I need to sacrifice, some things in my life that I've held back from God. There's some people that I struggle with serving, but I know God's called me to. Maybe the attitude of my heart is wrong in some of the things that I'm doing, and I want to correct that today. Or you're simply just not living in peace. If that's you this morning, I want to challenge you to get out of your seat and take a stand. Challenge you to come to the altar, spend some time with Jesus. And when you walk away, when you walk out of this place today, those gifts that maybe you didn't know what to do with, those things that you weren't sure how they were supposed to be used, nothing will be in the way for them to be used to knock down gates, to free people today, tomorrow, and this week. So if that's you, I want you just to move now. Come to the altars. Spend some time here as the team begins to sing. We're going to pray with you. You can stand at the altar. You can kneel at the altar. Whatever's best with you. But let's take a moment and allow the Word of God to impact and challenge us. So if that's you, move this morning. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.